gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars if you ain't gonna do it for yourself then do it for your mama only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit trying to learn some games every y'all gonna talk about it no diana speak that shit that everybody voucher ain't no more excuses valid get up off the couch and get up in your bag to your bank account need an accountant What's up? What's up? Welcome back to the greatest show on earth, the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I am your host, Xavier Miller, sitting here with the wonderful, the beautiful Deanna Kemp. D, what's good? What's up, Zay? How you feeling today? Hey, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling marvelous. And because today's <laughs> going to be a very, very, very special episode. And before, before we start this episode, I would like to advise all you guys to please like, subscribe, leave a, re- leave a rate, and all that good stuff. Also, follow us on all social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, I'm at Xavier C. Miller D. What's your uh, info? And you can find me on Instagram at Deanna Kent and Twitter, Deanna S. Kent. Yep. And before we start this episode, Deanna, she's going to go to our first sponsor real quick. Then we're going to go. Yes, sir. So you guys already know what time it is. It's time to get fit and get paid with the Lean and Six Body Transformation Challenge brought to you by our friends over at Commando Athletics. You know, here at the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast, we are firm believers that health is wealth, and this is a perfect opportunity for you to make your health a priority. This six-week challenge comes with easy-to-follow workouts and meal plans, so you'll see results in no time. Minimum equipment is needed for both the home and gym option, and all fitness levels are welcome to enter. And the best part about this challenge is that the top five performers will each earn $1,000 for having the best six-week transformation. All you have to do is sign up, show up, and show out. The challenge starts October 11th and ends November 20th, and all it will cost you is $79 to enter. You can sign up today at www.commandoathletics.com and be sure to tell them the Millionaire Mindsets podcast sent you. Definitely. And as always, the link for that is in the description of this podcast. So now we're going to get into the show, and this is something I've been really, really um, excited to do. Because first, the first reason, because we got a Chicago native on the show today, and every time I get somebody from Chicago, I get geeked. And secondly is, he's the founder of a brand that I told him before we started. I'm like, I've been drinking this for a long time. I got old videos, old pictures. So it's dope to kind of see a full circle that now he's on our show. And his name is Brett Barish. He's the CEO and founder of Lush Bel Air and the Sovereign, the Sovereign brand. So welcome to the show, Brett. Like I said, we super, super, super excited to have you. Xavier, Deanna, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm excited to to, to be able to answer questions, talk about what I do, how much I love what I do. And uh, uh, it's, it's, there's nothing better than hearing that, that uh, you've been consuming the brand for years. It never gets old. It'll never get old. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And just to get right into it, for, so for the people that may have some familiar, familiarity with the brand who may not know you, you know, a lot of people they see and they, somebody, I seen somebody yesterday, they said, man, I thought Rick Ross was the owner of that. So a lot <laughs> of people, they, they may not know who you are. So you mind just giving some uh, background on yourself? Sure. So, um, uh, well, you were right. I grew up in Chicago. So uh, uh, I started this company, which is called Sovereign Brands, 20 years ago. Uh, 21 years ago, uh, to set out to create new brands in different categories. Uh, some of you may know my, my uh, call it older brands, which Ace of Spades, Armando Brignac, Doucet, Cognac. And my four current brands today are Bel Air, uh, which is the number one, basically, champagne in the United States. It's in 80 countries. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Uh, Bamboo Rum, it's the number one premium rum uh, in the U.S., 
uh, McQueen in the Violet Fog by Jin, uh, produced in Brazil, a little town called Junjai. And then our latest brand is, uh, is Vion, um, which is, uh, competes in the cognac category, which is a killer new brand. Uh, but that's, that's what I do. And then the company is called Sovereign. Sovereign. That's, that was one of my first questions. So I want to ask the name, what made you choose that name specifically? My mom, she, t- uh, she told me, she showed me a little coffee cup, a little coffee tin full of coffee. And, uh, it, it said, uh, Simon pure on it, sovereign Simon pure. And, uh, Simon was my, my mother's maiden name. And my, my grandfather started a company called Sovereign. And I didn't even know what the hell Sovereign meant. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was perfect. Sovereign means to be on your own, to do your own thing, your own island. Uh, and it just fit. It's perfect. It's everything that we're about. It's doing kind of our own thing, our own way. Uh, we tend to have blinders on and, and, and just keep focused. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, D. I'll see you. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to ask you, Brett, um, so being in business 20 plus years, you know, that's an amazing accomplishment. And I feel like you can learn so many different life lessons throughout that process. And you go through a lot of different ups and downs. What would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've taken away throughout this entire journey? Um, It's so interesting, Deanna. I I think, and uh, I like to think I'm still evolving. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just interviewed B. Simone and she she said the most important thing is to keep evolving. And I agree with her on that. Um, I, I don't know if it's one thing. I think the biggest thing, if you're to me, the biggest thing to me that, that made me make that first leap is just go. Uh, just, you got to jump. You got to try it. Uh, that's the hardest one for me. And the second one that I fully believe in is if you're doing something on your own, you got to trust your instincts and, and you, you can't listen to everybody. You can't ask everybody's opinion. It's just, just, just listen to yourself. Trust what you want to do because this is why you're in, in the game. Mm, I love that. And uh, I, w- I was watching the interview you did and you said how one of your brands, the first, I think you said one of the first brands, three that you started. And you were saying the reason that it didn't end up how you wanted it is because you listened to everybody else instead of trusting yes. your gut and your instincts. So I wanted to ask you like, because sometimes I know sometimes listening to the market, it can be beneficial, but sometimes it can be like, you, you need to listen to yourself. So how do you know as an entrepreneur when to listen to yourself and trust your gut and when to listen to what your consumers are saying. It's, it's, um, I use Bel Air, the brand behind you, the brand I'm holding, uh, you know, when I launched this, my trade, my industry said, you're nuts, you're putting it, you're one, you're launching a rosé first and no one does that. You should be launching a brute uh, because the brute's the biggest in the category. You're putting in a black bottle that's insane. You can't see the liquid. Can't see it. You can't compete with brands like Moet and Vouv. Um, your price point won't work. And, and the younger Brett would have changed everything. I would have changed everything. Um, but at some point, you just got to realize, why am I doing this? It was these ideas that, that led me to where I want to go. You can listen. You can pull parts in. Um, and maybe ad- and constantly adapt, but that core f- thing that you're trying to do, you, you know, I, I, I uh, the best way to say it, Xavier, um, is 
I, I took the view a long time ago. If anybody's going to fuck it up, I want it to be me. That's <laughs> I love it. Um, that's it. That's it. Oh, man. I, I love it. Go ahead, it was B. definitely amazing. And something I want to hit on that you talked about was the bottle for Bel Air. And that's definitely something I've saw, seen you talk about in other um, interviews, but it never really registered with me because yeah. the bottle for Bel Air is very unique. It looks very well. It screams luxury. It screams everything the brand is about. Yep. So for that, um, can you talk about the importance of having very unique packaging for your um, beverage or for any product in that matter? I think, well, Deanna, the first thing that's most important is taste. Um, mm. It's the product itself, whether it's makeup, whether it's food, whether it's 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 something like Bel Air, Bamboo, our brands. Um, if it doesn't taste good, uh, you're never going to get them back to come back again. If it doesn't work right, it's they're never going to come back. That's critical. That's it. That's the end all. The second is packaging to me, especially when it comes to a consumer brand, that is is also so important because I can't compete with the big giant companies. I can't spend as much as they do. I have to try to do little things that are going to last a long time. They're going to make a huge difference. And packaging does make a difference. My goal in everything is if I can get people to notice me first, um, then they may try it. Uh, and that's a form of advertising. Um, my goal is always with my brands is I want you to feel bad if you throw out the bottle, like once it's empty, you know, have two bottles, one to open, one to leave in the back bar. But packaging can play a huge role because it can create trial. And that's what I think our brands do is they create an identity for, 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 they create an identity that'll never go away. And that's so important. I think something, and I hope people that, that are watching this really pay attention to something you said, because I think a lot of brands, they believe, like I talk to people all the time, business owners, and they think like attaching a certain influencer or celebrity onto their stuff will make it work. But what you just said, like at the end of the day, it's about the product. It's always about the product. You could name, you know, the celebrity side, there are celebrities own restaurants, 99% of them probably fail. There are exactly. celebrities own liquor brands, left and right. They don't work. Um, at the end of the day, it's about the product. You could be the greatest singer in the world, you know, in the music space. And if, if that song, if the lyrics, if the beat aren't good, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Gonna work. So it's, it's an end, it's in every category. At the end of the day, you know, the music, the lyrics, the, the liquid, the bottle, uh, the beat, it, that's what matters. Mm. Everything else is secondary. Mm, mm -hmm. That's a very important. That's man. This, that's super important. And I w also want to talk about because you uh, touched on it in the beginning is the um, Ace of Spade deal. I want to talk about that. Like selling that off to. I'm pretty sure everybody knows at this point to Jay Z. Like, what was the um, the signing factors? Like, how do you know when it's time to actually sell a company? Well, it, uh, I always say, you know, I, I wasn't one from the business side. I didn't raise money. I didn't have you know, these constant rounds, A, B, C, D, fundraising. Uh, to, I was doing it kind of slow, like a turtle, just slow and methodical. <laughs> um, I had all these ideas for brands, Bel Air, Bamboo, McQueen, Vionne, brands that, that were finished, that were sitting on my shelf that I couldn't, I couldn't launch until I had more money. Um, and what happened for me was, it's not a bad thing, but everyone's got to get there differently, is... Uh, 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 what Jay offered was for me is the ability to do 
two things at once. One is finally to have money and two to launch all these other brands. So it's almost, I, I look at it as it's, a, it's like cutting off your arm and now you're stronger. I'm mm. stronger now. I can do all these things. So I had to get up the ladder. It was the most difficult decision I ever made because it's like selling a child. I think of all these brands is, is our children right? Um, and we're attached to it, but it, it's allowed me to keep growing. And that's, that's most important. You know, when, when we sold, as an example, we sold it, I think we were 20 some people in the company. Wow. Today I'm 120 people in the company. So uh, we just keep growing. Wow. That's really amazing. Yeah, and I, I love that you keep talking about like the different brands that you guys have under the, um, the parent company. And I wanted to ask you, because I saw that you said that creating new brands is one of your favorite things to do. And I wanted to know what's the appeal behind that for you or what makes that so attractive that makes you continuously keep on going? Uh, I used yeah, it's such a good question because I used <laughs> to think I'd never have another idea. That's the hard part of someone like me who's got lots of ideas. What do I do? What do I focus on? Exactly. So therefore you end up doing nothing. You're right. Um, <laughs> um, but fortunately, once I just jumped in and focused, the ideas haven't stopped and I'm staying in my kind of core lane but I'll just, I'll think of something or I'll see something or I'll taste something and want to try it. And part of me knows that that next thing, there's going to be people out there who think I'm nuts. Don't do it. You know, my rum, my, my rum bamboo, they laughed. My, my industry laughed and said, don't do this. Premium rum isn't a thing, you know, go do tequila. Well, five years later, premium rum is a thing and it's because of us and we're enormous. Um, so I like that challenge. I like creating things that I think other people are going to, are going to say, you know what, don't do that. And bottom line <laughs> is I want to do with them. Mm -hmm. mm, I, lo I, I love that answer. And I, I've seen you speak on like, um, like, I think this is important is you talked about as an entrepreneur, I think you said you around the age of 30, you felt like you had so many ideas and you felt stagnant. So like, your advice to people, because I know there are millions of people that are in similar situations right now. Like, what do you think there's the best approach to that issue? I, I've had, you know, and I like being transparent because I think it's healthy and I think people can learn. This was not easy. My first six, seven years absolutely sucked. Um, I basically went bankrupt. I, I lost my, I almost lost my house because I stopped paying my mortgage because wow. I put it all in the business. Um, I think my first step, I was one of those people that had lots of ideas, whether it's doing real estate like you or, or investing or who knows. Um, but I just picked and that's the big step. That's the first step. Pick something, focus on it, um, put all your energy and effort into it. And you know what? Everything will come true from that. And you get to continue to have more ideas. That's most important. That, that for me was the stepping stone, just picking something and saying, I'm going to go do this. Stop asking other people. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Forget it. Just go do it. Mm. Mm. Just go do it. And on that note, I wanted to ask you um, a question in terms of finding inspiration, because of course we can have all these ideas, but they got to come from somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. And of course we have those moments where we just can't think of anything. So for you, what do you do or how do you continuously find the inspiration for these ideas? I, I, oh God, I wish I could tell you, Deanna, there was a place to go. For me, it's, <laughs> it just, I'll see, I'll see something. I'll, I'll, I'll start drinking a category for me in, in my business, in my industry, I'll start drinking. 
I'll start drinking and, and focusing on the category and start thinking about, boy, how can I make it different? How can I make it better? What could it look like? So that's where it starts is it's focusing on, or it could be, you know, I find a, a I think of a bottle design that I like and I, I'll create it, but I don't have a name for it yet. And I don't have a product for it yet, but I'm parking it, meaning I'm holding on to that because the name will come eventually or the logo will come eventually. So it's kind of putting it all together. Um, I think it's also, I, I like talking to people. I think I get ideas just by talking to people because I need, you just, you used the word inspiration. Mm -hmm. I need inspiration. I need to be motivated. I need to, to, to get ideas and to think differently. And I, I get that when I talk to people. I'm not reading anything, but I'm definitely talking to a lot of people and listening because you never know where it's going to come from. Mm -hmm. No, you, you really... Yeah. I definitely like that answer because I think especially like with us finding inspiration to continue with the podcast and do exactly. what, what we do, a big part of that comes from talking to people, but also consuming more knowledge. Exactly. And a lot of that plays a part in helping keeping your brain going. Yeah. And I think, Deanna, I think it's, and this is, everyone's different, but sometimes by talking to people, there's something that someone says that all of a sudden you kind of, you grab onto and you hold and yep. you use that to your advantage. I interviewed somebody, um, in South Africa a week and a half or two weeks ago, and I asked him, what does self-made mean to him? And he said, I, I, I began to feel success when I, when I was selfish. And I think it's really smart. I never thought of it that way. Be selfish. You know, it's about you right now. Focus on what's best for you and not best for everybody else. Mm -hmm. That I held on to. And that's a new feeling for me, if that makes sense. No, it makes all the sense because I, I feel like, um, I don't know how to say this. I feel like once um, we started being selfish about what we wanted, that's when we started to see a lot of growth for what we are doing. So I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I want to ask you about um, longevity because, like you said, you've been doing this for 21 years. And I feel like this is – I love talking to people about this topic because this is something – this podcast is something me and Deanna started. It will be three years at the end of the year. We started this from our living room couch just off the phone, and we built it to one of the biggest platforms in the country, a top 40 business podcast in America just from starting. But it's like I said, it's, it's almost three years. But this is something we want to do for the brand to grow and grow for 10, 20 years, and that's something you've done. So I want to ask you, like, what is the secret or the key to having that longevity with your brand? I think I think there's two answers. One I'm going to steal from somebody I talked to. Um, my first answer is once I realized, Xavier, that that it's it's not about money. I love that. If it's not about money and you're just happy with what you're doing, money will come. Yep. It's going to happen. Yep. If it's about money, you're chasing something and you're chasing, you're, you're not doing it the right way. And there's, there's real truth to that. For me, literally, I was at the pit of hell in my business wanting, uh, I was, it was supposed to be wound up. I remember telling my mother, if I could just make a living, I'm fine. I don't need anything else. And from then on, it just got easier. So that's one thing. I think the second is, I asked Beanie Man this, um, huge artist from Jamaica, He's been, he's, he's basically famous for 45 years, his entire life. And I asked him, how do you stay motivated? How do you keep doing what you're doing? And he said, if I fall out of love with it, I was never in love with it to be in the beginning. And I believe that if you like what you're doing, it's just, you can keep doing it. You just keep doing it. 
And wow. that to me, I feel now. I get it. I get wow. that. And so it's it's not going to go away because I like what I'm doing. I agree. And that's the conversation me and Deanna was having a couple of days ago. She asked me, she asked me, she said, what would I do if I could? You, you said, what would I do if I could? What was the question? I asked you, what would you do if you could do something and didn't have to depend on If I didn't on have money. to depend on money, like what would I do? And I sat and I thought about it for like two seconds. And I said, I would do what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I'm like, it's funny. <laughs> I'm like, I was doing, we was doing this for about a year and a half. No money coming in. We just did it because we loved it. And I always say money is a byproduct of impact. When we start impacting other people, the money just came. And we wasn't yeah, even focused people, on it. And Xavier and Deanna, there are people who, they're incredible at it. Raising money, you know, building businesses. Uh, I'm just not that guy. <laughs> uh, and and once I accepted that and just realized, you know what, if I can just, you know, I'll, I'll get there. I, I don't think I said I get there. I'm just happy. So mm. as long as I'm happy, things will, it just gets easier. Mm. And that's what it was. Mm. I agree. And I think a big part of that is just being self-aware, especially as an entrepreneur, a business owner. A lot of that plays an important part. But I did want to um kind of pivot back into the drink industry. Um, I know for me personally, like getting, when I first started drinking and trying new things, I felt like it was very overwhelming. Like going <laughs> to the store and seeing the bottles covering the shelves and it's like, what do I choose? Like um, what's good? You know, how do I develop that sense of taste? And with it being so many different options out there and you being a very large competitor in the industry, do you feel like the field is oversaturated? Well, I think, I think there's no such thing as an easy industry. Mm -hmm. There's no, you know, if you want to open a restaurant or cars or snack food or makeup, they're all competitive. There's nothing, if, if, if it was easy, we'd all be doing it. It doesn't yep. exist. <laughs> Podcasting today, anything. Um, so I, I don't think like that. Um, I, I think... I think I, I just stay very focused and think about my brands and and I let them breathe and let them out there and see where they go. Um, to me, it's like I treat what I'm doing for a living like these are my kids. I said this earlier. I don't know what they're good at yet. I know they're they got all the fundamentals of being great, but I don't know who's going to pick it up first. I don't know where it's going to be successful first. Is it a bar? Is it a restaurant? Is it in Arkansas? Is it in Canada? I've, our brand Bamboo Rum is our single biggest country in the world is Canada. No one from my company has ever been there. We're the number one <laughs> premium rum in Canada. Wow. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> but by letting it breathe, I found this out and I'm learning. Mm -hmm. So does that answer your question? Yes, it does. And mm -hmm. on that note, if you want to answer, do you have one that's particularly your favorite brand? <laughs> it's like kids. I, yeah. I got six kids. I'm not going to say I don't have a favorite. They're all different. They all your favorite. Um, but I will say I'm an unusual drinker. I don't drink with. I don't drink based on pairing with food. I drink based on my mood. Ooh, so great. just the mood I'm in, what I feel like. Uh, what flows at that time, that's what I'm going to try. Right now I'm drinking uh, my bamboo rum. I drink uh, the original and the XO and I mix the two together mm -hmm. uh, on the rocks. So that's my new one. That sounds um, good. But I'm a mood drinker. Okay. And uh, speaking on industry, this is something I've, I've been wanting to ask you. It's just touching on uh, mentality because you got in the industry and in a lane where there are some, there's huge competition. You talk about brands like Moet and stuff that's been here forever so i want to ask about the mentality for you to be like 
okay, I'm going to go in this lane and be competition enough and be bold enough to think that way. Like, where does that, where does that come from? Well, I think it's evolved. Um, I'd say, I think there's so many touch points, Xavier. One would be, I, I can't compete with them, meaning I, I, I can't do what they do. So don't pretend to be like them. Wow. Um, I, I, once I start doing that, then I'm, again, I'm picking my own lane. Um, but I, I, I have to fundamentally believe what is in this bottle and the profile and the taste and the story is better. If I believe that, I can kill them. I'm going to win. I'm going to do better. Um, I have to believe in my own brands. I won't launch, you know, I could have a great package and a great name and a design and a story and people behind it. But if I don't believe in the taste, I can't do it. I could have a great tasting product, but I need to have everything else around it. If I don't have that, I can't do it. So because I believe in what I'm doing, it just feels easy because I can talk to people about it, get them to try it, get them to taste it, get them to take ownership of it, and, and I can succeed. It may not happen overnight, but long-term, I'll get there. Wow. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. And something I want to ask you, like when it comes to actually producing the product itself, is there a particular blueprint that most companies have to follow to produce the product or get to that end result? Or does everyone um, have like a different process for creating drinks? Yeah, it's, Deanna, I've never worked at any other company. I don't know what it's like. Any, I, I say this all the time internally to my own team. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like to work at Diageo or Pernod Ricard or Jim Beam or Moet Hennessy. I don't know. Um, I only know the way we do it. And mm-hmm. Something it's working. It feels right. I'm trusting my instincts. I, I like to. Um, I tell my team every day, don't be afraid to try things. If it doesn't work, you move on. Try something else. That's we have so many different little philosophies we say internally. You know, uh, don't be afraid or have a sense of urgency. Or if we're not talking about our brands, no one is. Like little things that I believe in that becomes part of our core. I literally don't know how anybody else does it. I don't know how they go to market. I don't know how they develop their brands. I don't really care because I all I care about is what we do for a living and we've got the best product and I, the consumers are going to realize it once they try it, taste it, hear the story, and, and, and it becomes a badge of honor at that point. Mm-hmm. And something, one more question for you. Um, last year, with everything that happened with the pandemic and COVID, were you all, or you especially as a CEO, forced to pivot with some of your strategies or were things able to maintain? A hundred percent. It's the most proud I've been from my company perspective, how we we pivot. What, the word pivot is critical. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I, someone said to me, um, and I believe this, uh, sometimes uh, being a uh, um, like a stand-up comedian, improv, to me is like, is the way you should treat business. A comedian is, and someone who's doing improv is pivoting based on their audience, based on how it's reacting, the effect it has. To me, that's good business. You're constantly pivoting based on the reaction. So when COVID happened, we pivoted overnight. It was all about, okay, how do we help our retailers? How do we start supporting our retailers from, from uh, direct delivery to curbside pickup to most of our retailers and accounts didn't have websites. Um, how do we start promoting on social media so people go to their stores? How do we get all our celebrity amb- ambassadors are promoting their stores? 
Um, how do we get in front of our distributors differently? We started doing Zoom calls like this. We were one of the first ones to do it, doing them all over the country, um, constantly changing the model because you had to pivot based on what was going on, on in the world. And I think if you're in tune to that, you can, you can pivot better, you can change better, you can do things better, and that's what we did. I want to touch on um, like goals for a second, just for inspiration for the people that's listening, because this is something that I get asked a lot. People always say, like, how do you like accomplish your goals? Because a lot of people don't know how to get from point A to Z. And I know me personally, it's like we all have these ideas, a million ideas. But me personally, what I do, I have an idea. I write it down. Then I strategize around it. I make a goal for it. And I set a date for that goal. And that's pretty much how I remain focused and able to accomplish my goals. So from your um how you do it, how, is it something similar or is it a different process for how you get from A to Z with? I, I think over the past 20 years, Xavier, it's changed, you know, what the goals are, you know, in the beginning it was, well, well, in the beginning it was just, you know, the biggest goal at some point, six years in was Jesus just survive, right? <laughs> just being able to survive. And then it was, you know, if I can get my brand a certain volume in one state and two states and 10 states, you know, when, when I launched Bel Air and our distributor said, you won't sell more than 500 cases, okay, I'm going to sell more than 500 cases. We sold in New York, I remember, 10,000 cases the first year. We crushed it. Um, so the goals keep changing as I grow, as the company grows, as our team grows. Um, but I, there's fundamental things that are still the same, which is we're going to sell our brand first. We're right. going to sell it. We're going to hand sell it. We're going to keep it. To the consumer, um, it's make money. If I'm making money, then I can live to fight another day. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it's simple. It's really simple. So it's small goals. You know, as long if it, another goal would be, I can't put pressure on my brands. If if I don't have buzz happening, don't force it. I can't force it. I can't make a brand successful if, if people aren't talking about it or writing about it. But if something good happens, okay, step on the gas. Right. Someone's writing about it. Someone's talking about it. If I'm on a podcast with Xavier and Diana, okay, I got to put more pressure on it because there's more momentum behind it. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's all about managing the situation you're in to hit the goals you want to achieve. I like that answer. And how, how, how vital is storytelling in this whole process when you're building the brand? It's critical. Um, to me, for me, it's critical. Uh, because as I said, I have to believe in this. So if, if, if we're telling stories um, and they're real stories and they're authentic, then it's believable. If, it, if it's just, hey, I had an idea. This isn't, you know, Rick Ross didn't jump on and now all of a sudden we have a successful brand. It was, Bel Air was out for two years. I met Rick, you know, uh, because of the brand, we started having conversations. We found we could do things together. Um, that's authentic. I, I, I use the term we're organic brand builders. Organic brand builders is, you know, we're, we're, we're basically, you know, mutating and based on the people we touch and who can we work with, who do we get and understand. It's never, it's not a transaction that's taking place. It's very organic and friendships are built this way. I believe in these things. Mm. And speaking of uh, brands and collaboration and partnerships, which we all know is extremely important for business. How do you decide if someone is a good partner, a good uh, collaborator for your brand? Uh, <laughs> it's such a funny question because I'm going to give my answer. 
I'm not smart enough to know who's going to be successful. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Um, and that's where, meaning I can't, <clears throat> I can't tell you, you know, who, who's going to, if someone picks up the bottle, it's going to work. Who knows? Um, and that part of that's from experience, but I do know I enjoy it much more if I know the person, if I have a relationship with them. If it's, as I said, it's not a transaction. They're, it's, there's, they're mentally in the game with the brand. Mm. Um, if I meet them, you know, there are people, I, I did an interview with, uh, I don't know if you know who Pretty V is. Pretty, um, the, uh, inst- she's a comedian, right? Correct. Yeah. I did an interview with her. I loved her. She got me. She, she, I got her. She understood what we were doing, what we're about. I want to work with her. This is great. Uh, I interviewed another kid named Flawless. Um, he's out of Georgia, a hip-hop artist. Never talked to him before, never heard him before. I love the kid. He gets it. He loves our rum. Let's work together. Let's yeah. try something. So to me, that's all organic. It's organic. Uh, Ao and Teo, these two brothers artists who are just huge. They got that song Rolex, Roly. Um, we're doing something together uh, with Bel Air. Uh, but I met them through, again, through happenstance and talking and getting to know each other. I, I support these guys. So it, 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 I don't know if it's going to work, but I want to enjoy the process because I think it's got a better chance of working if everyone's in it. And exactly. you're, in, you're, you're at least... You're, you feel like you're part of something. It's not, it's not, here's the transaction. Let's go see if this works. Mm-hmm. Mm, I, lo- I love it. I love it. Yep. <laughs> something I wanted to um, touch on with you, Brett, is that I love, like, my favorite part about this conversation is I love hearing how hands-on you are right. with everything right. that goes on in the company from all the different topics we touched on. You're very aware, you know, everything that's going on and everything that's moving. And I know a lot of the entrepreneurs, um, especially who are still at the ground level, they dream of being CEOs of companies of this magnitude. So what advice would you give them um, once they actually get to this point, how to manage and maintain? It's, Deanna, it's a good question. I think, you know, again, using my analogy of treating brands and business like children, you know, at some point, my my daughter, I have a daughter who's 22. Um, I have a son who's seven. You know, I have to help my son get there. I have to help my two-year-old walk. I have to help them eat. My son who's seven, he reads on his own now. He writes on his own. So it's almost you're, you're putting them out in the world. And you got to stay. The, as they grow up, get older, you, you kind of take your hands off mm-hmm. and let them grow. So Bel Air is an example. Boy, that's getting to be a big brand. I can't be as hands-on anymore, but it's grown up and it's it's on its own. But a brand like Bamboo, I need to be even more focused on. Brand like McQueen, who's even younger, I got to be more focused on. So it's kind of you, you got to treat them differently, and that's how we grow is and how we manage. Some need a little more help, some need a little less based on their life cycle or how they're improving or how they're having success. But I don't know what I have until I put it out there. For um, the brands such as Bel Air that have matured, was it difficult for you to let go of that control and entrust like your baby in the hands of other people? It's the hardest thing in the world is a as to, in having a company or in growing anything is managing. Mm. Is managing, and I tell you know our marketing people all the time. I'll tell my CFO. I'll tell my brother. Let go. 
You hire people below you for a reason. You got it. You can, I know I, I can do everything better. I can do it faster. I can make uh, it's I guarantee it's going to be more right than anybody else, but I can't, I can't grow that way. You got to pass that stuff off and give ownership to the next person in line to manage it, to, to run with it, to make mistakes, allow them to make mistakes and improve. Managing is so hard, but it's the, it's the only way you can grow is by letting go and giving people autonomy to do their thing. Mm, yeah, I, I agree with that. Me and Deanna, we both uh, prior military and something being in the military taught us is delegation, delegation, <laughs> delegation. They installed that in us. You have to delegate things if you want to get it done at scale. You have to, but but you can still, you know, it's almost like I, I'm overly anal. I want to be in CC on all emails, um, wow. you know, with our marketing team. It's not that I'm trying to interfere, but but make me aware because I may have an idea or I may push back on a different concept or something new, and I I want to I want to fight it out. I, I don't want anybody to get to cave. But I want to fight it out because maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a different way. Maybe I'm wrong. That's fine too. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And uh, I know you have the self-made series. So I wanted to ask you, from your opinion, what is self-made to you? <laughs> I'm still learning. Um, I, I'm, I'm still learning what that is. Uh, I think it's different, different pieces. I think it's the questions you asked. Uh, um, to me, it's it's, God, it's such a big question. Um, what is, <laughs> it's so much a hard question. Uh, it's, it's trusting your instinct. It's like I said, self-made is, you know what, if I'm going to fuck it up, if anybody's going to fuck it up, I want it to be me. That's what self-made is. I want it to be me. I want the responsibility. I want the responsibility to be wrong. I'll take full ownership in that. Once you do that, boy, you're in control. You're in control. I like that so much just because I feel like today so many people have, at least from my opinion, they have a, vet, a bad viewpoint of the uh, title self-made. Like I see a lot of people, they'll say like, well, if you didn't come from shit, like nothing, no parents, no money, then that's not qualified as self-made. But I kind of look at it similar to you. I think if you doing your own thing, building something on your own, or at least starting it, obviously you need a team. I consider that self-made as well because you still did it without somebody giving you something. Correct. And, and to, to, Xavier, to, to put differently, the whole point of me starting this series is everybody has – I, I like hearing the struggles. Everybody has demons. Everybody has things that they got to get over. They got to overcome. You could, you could be from a wealthy family. You still got to get over something. You could have nothing. You got to get over it. Um, you can fail. You got to get over it. Uh, to me, the reason I did it is I, I, one, our brands mean something. People are holding them. They, it's showing that they've succeeded. They've done something. And that to me was, boy, you've achieved something. You're, you're self-made in your own way, but what's the struggle you went through to get there? Right. And that's what I want to hear from the people I'm talking to, because that to me is motivating. Success isn't motivating. Hearing the shit you got, yep. you had to go through to get there. <laughs> yep. God, that's inspiring. Ex extremely inspiring. And you talked about how in the, the first couple of years you started, it was extremely difficult for you to, to, to make profit and keep going. So like, what's that... Um, and you have, you said you have six kids as well. So like, what's that when you're doing all those things, you're not getting those results. I know a lot of people, they like, 
Man, fuck this. Me. Fuck this. It's not, it's, I can't do this. It's not, I'm, I'm going back to a nine to five. What's that that keep you like, nah, this is my only option? Uh, I th- as I said, I think, you know, I was the, I was the kid, or not kid, I was 31 years old. I got a piece of paper. You know, if I can do, in five years, if I can get 2% of the category in the industry and you put a multiple on that based on public companies and it's worth half a billion dollars and I'm going to sell it, that was me. That was me. <laughs> and that's just, you know, maybe it's the right way to do it for some people. I, I screwed it up. That's wrong because I can't force it. I don't know how to make that happen. Um, and I, I think over those that six-year period, call it from you know, changing everything when someone in my trade or industry told me, you know, you should change the price or do this or do that with that first brand. I did it. I listened. Um, but it was overcoming that. It was realizing the money doesn't matter. It was realizing, you know, as, as, as Rhapsody told me, if I just had enough money to get to the studio, I'm happy. That's that moment where <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't need anything. Um, that's where it, it's, that's what you overcome. Or I remember, you know, going to the bank and we finally started having sales. And this was with my second brand, Ace of Spades. And the teller never looked up at me, never once. And I don't know, I probably cashed $600,000 in, in sales. And she still didn't look up. And it just, that drove me. I Come on, I want to achieve. I want more. Like, like I don't know, those days, those were great. Or buying, I remember buying our we pretended my office was uh, my apartment. My, my apartment was actually my office. And we, we used to pretend uh, that, that it was actually our office. And at one point, my one employee is like, Brett, we need air conditioning. We need air conditioning. <laughs> and uh, this was in New York. And I, I finally splurged on $1,500 for two different air conditioners front and the back. Like, that was a great day. Like, I remember that. But those are the moments you appreciate. Yeah, that's, that's true. I wanted to actually, I know something we talked about in one of our previous episodes, um, a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with feeling satisfied. Once they hit one goal, mm-hmm. it's like they don't take, they, it's not enough. They want to keep going. They, they just want to continuously keep pushing and striving to hit other goals. Have you had a moment where you felt satisfied or is the hunger still there like it was in the beginning? It's, <laughs> Deanna, I kept <laughs> thinking it would be, it would go away every time. It never goes away. I don't know what it is. It never goes. I think it, it would only go away if I ran out of ideas, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I've, I've got six brands we're working on that'll come out and we'll be there. Will there be a seventh after, you know, forget the four that exist. I'm talking six new ones. Oh. Uh, there could be. I just haven't thought of it yet. But if I do, I want to keep going. I want to mm-hmm. keep going. It's fun. I enjoy this. Yeah, um, you know, if, if, Maybe there's a cannabis something I want to do. Maybe there's a food product I want to do. If I have an idea, it, it's got, it's, it, I'm still that little kid who's, I got an idea. At least now though, I'm going to fucking go do it. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, that's I, what it's all that's about. What's all about. Cause that's, that, that's very true. It never, like if somebody would have told, if somebody would have told us when we started this, that we could have been the um, top 200 podcast, I would have been like, I'm done. And then when that <laughs> happened, it was like, wait, no, uh, uh-uh. We got to hit 100. Then they went 100. Right. I could have been like, oh, I'm done. Then it was like, no, nah, we got to hit 50. So it's, you're right. It's just, it's a, I think even when we hit number one, because I know what will happen. When it happens, I think it will be like, 
we need to do something else now. <laughs> and this is this is going to be another end of journey. But you'll have, what most likely will happen, you'll have another idea, another segment or something different you want to do, but it's all related to it because you learn from it. Yep. That's the beauty. And I think that's the mistake a lot of people make um, is it's, you know, those first six years, I, that's where I learned. If I had... If I had gone to another industry, I just wasted all that failure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I wasted it. I got to start all over again. Yep. So the beauty is, you know, I, I kept going in something that I, I learned and made mistakes in. And that's why I'm successful. Mm, I love that. And that's something like we've interviewed. We've interviewed over 100 people, extremely successful people. And one thing I've noticed in everybody is that it feels like the losses is a rite of passage. And I want a lot of people to understand that because I feel like a lot of oh. people go into entrepreneurship and it's like, like I spoke to, man, I don't, don't want to share too much, but I spoke to somebody earlier and he was like, um, man, I just started my podcast and, I'm, and I, I hope within the next couple months, I'll be on the same level as you guys. And I'm like, that's amazing. But at the same time, I thought, why would you expect that on your, that expectation on yourself? Because it took us years to get to this point. What you were you hoping for something to happen for you in two months? Well, it took us three years to do. So it's like a lot of people they want things to happen so fast, and it's not really like they that. want it's it like, now. But right. again, and my my view, Xavier, is is God bless you if it happens. Exactly. If one of my brand strikes gold day one, God bless. But that wasn't the intention. That yep. was not part of the plan. If it happened, great. But it, it, it's almost, it's like you said, and we, we do this with our own brands. You got to manage expectations. And, and sometimes by, by having setting low, a low bar, everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. Everyone's happy. <laughs> That's hilarious. Now, this is, That's the best way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you set a low bar, everybody's happy. Because when you have a low bar, it's like, well, you can achieve anything. And it's like, Correct. oh, okay, dang, we're doing something. We move. It's progress. We prog- we progressing. Which is important. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. As long as you keep moving forward, you're, you're making progress. Okay. But I think the mistake side, and just to hone in on that, I think, you know, uh, I, I told my team this earlier in the week, you know, you can justify anything. You can justify everything you possibly do in life, that this was the right decision. That's not good. The mm. key is, kind of analyze it was it from a business perspective that's what i'm referring to you know you got to rip it apart and say you know what this was not a good idea i shouldn't (laughs) have done this you know and i won't do it again or i got to change this that's how you grow don't justify it you know really Mm. peel it peel it peel it apart and see what what, did it work did it really work should i have interviewed this person should i have not interviewed this person should i have asked this question this way is there a better way to ask it you can't just walk away and say, that was just fantastic. I should just do the same thing over and over. That's not growing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Agree a hundred percent. And I know with all this talk about success, I do want to ask you, have there ever been any brands that you've created where it was at a point where it's like, I have to walk away. It's, it's not working. It's not popping off. And it's time to pull the plug on this particular thing. Uh, the first brand, the first, the first brand. Three. Um, yep. And, and uh, uh, be, and it's it's making that decision. You can't, you know. I have if I take my four brands, some, you know, uh, you well. Th- th- this is the better way to say it. I have four brands today. I can't focus twenty five percent of my time on all four. 
That's not good business. How Bel Air is killing it right now. It's killing it. Bamboo is killing it. So I, what I recognize is, you know what? I should put more emphasis on those two. And the other two will gain long-term because of the success of the first two, if that makes sense. Right. So you can't always prioritize everything as being important because then, then you're doing yourself and everybody else a disservice. Go with what works and you can backfill later everything else. Mm, I liked it. I liked it. And uh, one, one of my uh, final questions I have for you is what's next for Sovereign Brands? Uh, next, keep growing. I want to, we're in uh, 80 countries with, with Bel Air, 60 countries with, with Bamboo, 30 countries with McQueen, Vion just in the U.S. I want them all over the world. Um, we launched three new brands this year, Bel Air Blue, which is yep. the new one. Uh, I've trying Bamboo to get a hold Green. of <laughs> Isn't it pretty? Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, it's beautiful. Bamboo cream, which is this one, which is on fire. It's a cream-based rum. It's amazing. And then we launched Vion, which is this one, which competes in the cognac category. This thing's killing it. Um, we've got two new brands coming next year in new categories that I'm so excited about. Probably another two coming the following year. So we we're, we pace ourselves. We're not. I'm not in a rush. Again, it gets back to. Xavier, what you said, managing expectations. Um, uh, uh, I, I, I want I want to leave a good taste, no pun intended, a good taste in people's mouths. Uh, if they're happy with my current brands, they're going to be ecstatic with the next brand mentality. And my final question for you is for our listeners, if it was one last piece of advice or just one thing that you want to leave with them moving forward, what would that be? Uh, Ah, uh, there's so many. Ah, <laughs> uh, I think for anybody, like I said, I think for anybody who who doesn't know where to start, just pick something and go forward. That's you got to get off. You know, again, I was that person who would constantly. Xavier, what do you think of this idea? What do you think of this? Deanna, what do you think of this idea? Mm-hmm. And then it becomes, you never do anything. Just yeah. pick something, focus on it, and you're going to get good at it as long as you keep pivoting and learning about it. What, what do you think stops people from, like, going all into something, just jump, hopping one thing to one thing to one thing? I, it's f- fear. Um, it can be fear. You know, I'm fortunate. I, I, I launched the company with my brother. That was the best thing that ever happened. Having a partner, having someone you can confide in, having someone you can talk to, having someone you can trust. Um, I remember my first thing I ever wanted to do, I wanted a friend of mine and I were going to do it together. He backed out and I was afraid. I was afraid. I couldn't do it. I didn't think I could do it by myself. So sometimes having somebody else with you, um, sometimes taking that leap, it's a hard thing to do. It's, it's not easy. Um, but you know, you know, sometimes cutting the cord, you know, Mm. uh, just, you got to cut the cord and move on. Um, uh, it's not easy. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. And, Mm. and, uh, gets back to once you do it, then you gotta, you got into it for a reason. Trust your instincts. Wow. Listen, but trust your instincts, adapt, trust your instincts. 
I have one more question. Because <laughs> um, it's something me and Xavier have been talking about. And, uh, we've been reaching a lot of growth with the podcast, but I feel like one of the mental barriers I've been struggling with is reaching a certain level of success and now continuing to make. I, I would say, I guess, that fear of not being able to meet expectations. Is that something you've ever struggled with or is there any advice you would give on like dealing with that? Meeting expectations. Like the consumers, the audience. Mm-hmm. After reaching a certain level of success. I think if you're honest, I, I think if you can walk away and feel good about what you've done and feel like you've connected with the other person, again, it gets back to it. it, it sometimes it's not about the audience. It's about, do you feel good about what you're doing? Mm-hmm. You know, do you feel like what you're doing, uh, you know, it, 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 I was at a grocery store shopping for my mom during COVID and wearing a mask and looking for sardines. My mom loves sardines. And I was wearing a bamboo mask and a, and a woman said, oh my gosh, you like bamboo? I love bamboo. And I was all caught off guard. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, uh, yeah, I, I love bamboo. And she said, uh, I don't like the XO, but I really love the original. And I, I didn't even know what to say, but it was the single greatest feeling. Someone coming up to me telling me they have no idea who I am, that they love this brand. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to do that. Yep. That That is amazing feeling. So, you know, getting back to it, it's like if there, it's the little things that add up to something huge. And and that's what matters. That's what feels good. Mm, that's Thank a, you. Yeah, I, I, like, <laughs> I, I love that answer. And before we let you go, Brett, I just want to say we really appreciate you taking the time to come on. But do you mind uh, plugging all your stuff so that our listeners can follow you or uh, buy Bel Air, the best champagne, go get that, everything? <laughs> love to. So uh, Bel Air... Bel Air, our little baby. Um, check us out at, uh, on the, you can check out any of the websites. So uh, LukeBelair.com or SovereignBrands.com or go to our Instagram at uh, uh, Official Bel Air. Bamboo Rum, our rum, which is the number one premium rum in the world. Love it. Uh, check out Bamboo uh, Rum. Uh, check out our Instagram, Original Bamboo. McQueen in the Violet Fog, where are you, McQueen? <laughs> Uh, this little baby, Wiz Khalifa's favorite. It's the greatest shit in the world. Um, check us out on Instagram. You can uh, follow us there. Uh, and then the newest one, our newest little baby, our youngest, Vion. Vion. Which is Vion, which is just drink it straight, drink it on the rocks. It's, it's drink it with Coke. It's amazing. But uh, on social media, you could, uh, on, on Instagram, on our websites by the name, just check us out. And feel free to reach out to me. Questions, ideas, you can go to Brett Barish, CEO at Instagram, uh, my Instagram or, or the, my website. Uh, but we're bottom-up brand builders, so we get all our best ideas by talking to people. Oh, I, I love it. I love it. Like you said, y'all, the best champagne. I've been drinking this forever. So, <laughs> hey, if y'all never had it, trust me when I tell y'all, man, our mindsets, we, 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 got, we, we stamping it right here. So yep. just so y'all know. And uh, you guys can also follow me on all platforms at Xavier C. Miller. Follow the Men of Mindsets podcast on all platforms as well. And D, what's your information? And you can follow me on Instagram at Deanna Kent and Twitter, Deanna S. Kent. And that is all we have for you guys on this episode of Men of Mindsets podcast. Appreciate y'all tuning in. See you guys next episode. Peace. Peace.